we think like there's no reward with God, but really there is a commendation that comes from Christ where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And we've lost the craving to hear that from him, but we desire it so deeply to hear it from people. To what end, to what point, you know? Are we building up these kind of like false, false facades for everyone to see and marvel at when uh, on the inside is death and decay? And kids can smell hypocrisy a mile away. A kid growing up in a house like that is not being discipled into this kind of beautiful faithfulness. They're being discipled into a version of hypocrisy that's really sad. Would you join me in welcoming Eric, Cassie, and Chelsea, your host of the Family Discipleship Podcast, Adam, Cassie, and Chelsea. Adam, you just got fired. How does it feel? Oh man, I got immediately replaced. (laughs) Hey, this so is the publicly. first time, the first time they're able to say you're not only listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, you are watching the Family Discipleship Podcast. Because guys, tonight we're here with a live group of people, a live people. Yeah. Awesome. So this is, for those of you who are unfamiliar or maybe thought my name was different, my name is Adam Griffin. Uh, it's so great to be here with you this evening, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host to my left, your right, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How are you doing tonight, Cassie? I'm great. I'm great. I'm very aware of uh, the back of my head facing this some part people. of the room. <laughs> well, you don't have a bald spot I'm like sorry. some of us. I think you're going to be all right. And I to, did use dry shampoo. And over here, this is my lovely wife, Chelsea Griffin. Chelsea. Okay. How you Hi doing everybody. tonight, Chelsea? I'm so happy to be here. I come here every day um, <laughs> <laughs> because my children go to school here and we go to church here, but I'm happy to be here at the Family awesome. Discipleship Podcast. I also have my back to some people, and I want to tell you, Cassie, that in um, one of my best friends is from Iran, and she said, when you have your back to some people and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I have my back to you, the polite response is, a flower doesn't have a front or a back. Oh. Wow. And so I'd like to say that to you now. That's very nice. A flower Thank doesn't you. have a front or a back. But a, Be a man, encouraged. But a man has a front and a back, so I don't really get how it helps me. I'm not a flower. Yeah, just keep me in the center of attention. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I didn't pick sitting in the middle. All right, well... We are, man, so excited to be here. We have some extra friends with us tonight. Normally, it's just the three of us talking, maybe with a guest. But tonight, if you're just tuning in, this is our live show. It's our second last episode of the season. And all season long, we've been doing vices and virtues. We've been talking about things that we struggle with and things that we're doing better. You know what's funny? I don't know if you guys noticed. Our, our, our um, producer, Brad, he sends us kind of like a monthly list of how, how things are going on the podcast. And I don't know if you guys noticed this. Every time we do an episode on something that parents struggle with, it does way better than ones that are like virtuous. So if we talk about irritation, people are like, oh, I need to hear that. And we talk about anxiety, people are like, oh yeah, for sure. And the then joy. joy, people are like, yeah, I'm, I don't need to talk about joy. But tonight I really, should be great then. Yeah, tonight's going to be great. So tonight we're talking about, do you guys remember? Yeah. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, people. I thought you were going to say hip-hop, was an and I was, I was ready. You were ready for hip-hop? I had a lot of content prepared, <laughs> but we can do hypocrisy. Hip-hop-pocrisy. Luckily, it's, all, it's like about pretending to have it all together, so I mean, we could probably just wing it. Wow. We, this really is actually convicting. I really am always pretending to have it together. No, That's exactly not. why I wanted That's to talk about this. I do think it's a good topic as like a summary of the things we've been going through. So many of the different virtues and, and vices we've talked about all season long, there's a version of that that is hypocritical in my own heart in every single one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Where 
Uh, you think about joy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell people to have joy and yet I struggle with it. Or I tell mm-hmm. my kids to be more joyous or patient, or I tell my kids to, you know, don't be so irritating. And yet in that I'm telling them that I'm irritated by them. So we kind of picked this topic, hoping that it kind of brings together all the different vices and virtues we talked about all season, but also our hope again is to relate, to be very vulnerable. So I'd love to kick us off by just talking about maybe where you guys struggle. When you think about hypocrisy, well, maybe let's start like this. Uh, let's define it a little bit. When you think about hypocrisy, Cassie, what comes to mind for you? What are the, the words you associate with that or the definitions that come to mind? I think about it being a practice of pretending to be virtuous or to pretending to uh, be something that you're not. And so uh, presenting something other than what's actual, like what's real. So you're hiding a reality. Yes. But you're showing, you're putting on a face, a facade, a Mm -hmm. veneer that looks better than maybe what the reality is. Right. Right. Yeah. Chelsea, for you, what comes to mind for you? I think about saying, like saying you believe something and then living differently, which is true of all of us, I would think, right? If if we believe Christian doctrine, then and none of us are living that accordingly. But Mm -hmm. Jesus talks a lot about hypocrites and hypocrisy. And when I was just kind of searching the scriptures on this, you realize he actually talks about it more than more than anybody else in the scriptures. Um, Jesus is pretty keen on it, probably also because he knows everybody's hearts. So he's he can spot it uh, more perfectly than anybody else. But Jesus doesn't condemn us for failing to live perfectly. Um, he saves us. That's true. But he, do, he does seem to have a real problem with the lack of transparency. Yeah, mm-hmm. he calls it out a lot. We'll yeah. get to that when we get to the scripture part here at the end. First, let's start with maybe some vulnerability. Uh, what's different tonight, obviously in front of a, a group of friends and new friends tonight, normally when we're doing this, we can cry in front of each other and not have to like, you know, really own it in front of, maybe you can like take a step back from a microphone tonight vulnerability like on full display tonight. Let's just talk about, because everybody in here, uh, at least everybody in here who's a parent definitely can relate to this, like where you personally are asking someone to do something, but you're not willing to do it yourself, or you're putting on a veneer where Mm -hmm. you're saying, um, this is actually something that is okay in my life because you're not willing to let maybe your kids or your spouse or somebody else see what's really troubling or what's really going on. So Cassie, maybe we could start with you. When I say hypocrisy and you say, yeah, this is where Cassie Bryant struggles with hypocrisy. What does that look like for you? I think the fear of someone who's in ministry is that your kids see everything. And so like they see your worst moments. I mean, they're, they're the ones that are observing the most. And so there's a fear that when I do mess up, either if, especially if I'm not aware of it and don't have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness or repent, then it's like, they're going to tie those actions to the church or to faith, and I don't want them to. And so I think that it's just, I guess my weakness would be where I lack awareness of it, and I just need people to help see that, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think just the temptation to constantly feel like you have to have it all together and want to present to the people in front of us, you know, at church or wherever, like, yeah. look at us. We've got it together. You should follow our lead. And maybe even specifically, you're saying like in ministry, you feel like a, an added pressure because is the expectation level you feel is different? Yeah, there's just a lot of eyes. There's a lot of people watching what yeah. you do and what you choose and how, how you speak and what, you know. And so then you're like, what if my choice affects their choice? And then they choose something because of it. It was the wrong thing. You just can get in your head about it. So. Totally, totally. Chelsea, for somebody who's not in ministry, you still feel that pressure though, right? I mean, you are in ministry. We're all called to ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us just don't get paid. We do it for free. We love Jesus. 
<laughs> yeah. Hmm. So somebody who's not <laughs> occupationally maybe in ministry, you but go, you okay. still feel like you're struggling with hypocrisy. What does that look like for you? Honestly, I think that feels like every day. It like as a topic, it's kind of a crushing topic. Our church, in our women's and men's Bible study, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is calling out these things a lot. And it, I have to preach the gospel to myself a lot. Otherwise, it can just feel so crushing to have it that reminder. Even if it's not coming from someone else, I see it in my own life. Like, like you said, the pretending, pretending to be virtuous, right? Yeah. And um, we know that even when we do something that seems like it came from a right heart attitude, then we can immediately pat ourselves on the back. And then we're like, dang it, that's my pride. Like, it feels like there is, there is no escaping, you know? Yeah. When our kids were really little, uh, you know, we, we had our three boys, we had all three of them in three and a half years. And so when they were little, they were all little. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They were yeah. all so little. And um, I, th- I found sometimes it was great to have a friend come over while I was home with the kids because I thought it will just improve my frustration tolerance. It will improve my behavior if another adult is here um, because I know that I, that I won't say something out of frustration. I won't lose my patience. I'll, I will be like pleasant and sweet the whole time because another human is watching me. Yeah. Uh, so there's a benefit there for my children, but you see how messed up that is? Totally. <laughs> That's yeah. why we have someone live with us. <laughs> like if there's, someone I could, if there's someone that I could impress or try to make them think something of me, I will behave better. Yeah. That is true of most of us, but, but it's also like a very sad truth. But I think you're touching on exactly where I think I struggle, where I go, if it was somebody other than my kids, I would be acting differently. But around my kids, I feel free to be a certain kind of hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Around my own children, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there were other adults around, I would probably behave here, but it's my kids. Yeah. And really, one of the other things for me, I think specifically when I think about hypocrisy, I think about how, and this is pervasive, I think, culturally, we'll tell our kids, this is not okay to watch. But adults will watch it. Yeah. We'll say, this is, hey, kids, close your eyes. This commercial just came on. Or turn the channel. We don't watch that. Or you're not allowed to watch that movie or that show. And yet, for some reason, we'll think, because I'm an adult, a certain level of violence or sensuality is going to be okay. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what makes me think that if it's not okay for my 10-year-old or my 8-year-old, that it's okay for my soul? Yeah. To be partaking in those things. Yeah. And that can be what we're reading, what we're listening to. You know how it is, Chelsea, because I know you listen to a certain kind of music that maybe- Christian hip hop. Christian hip hop, yeah. (laughs) But when our kids aren't around, is there different music playing in the car when you're- Like all you parents, I think you probably experienced this. When you get in the car and your kids aren't there, (laughs) you don't listen to slugs and bugs. You know, you're not singing along to scripture. You're going, I'm going to listen- Finally, maybe I'm in the car without my kids. I'm going to listen to whatever I want. If you just have a baby, you haven't lived that yet because you're living that freedom that goes like, (laughs) my baby doesn't even know what this is, doesn't, you know. But there's a certain hypocrisy that says, when my kids are around, I will display a version of spirituality with good intentions to say, I want to disciple them well. But then for some reason, when they're not around, I excuse a version of myself that is not as godly. Yeah. And that has a lot to do when in my mind, where Adam Griffin struggles with content with like what I'm willing to read, but also I could say with conversation. Yeah. There are conversations. Now, I think there are good places to say there's some things that adults can watch that kids cannot. And I think there's also some places to say there's conversations I can have that I'm not going to invite my kids into every accountability conversation I have or talking about our marriage. I don't want my kids to be codependent with their dad. But there is a sense in which I will have conversations with other adults and joke about things that if my kids were joking about them, I'd say that's inappropriate. Yeah, And there's a kind of uh, storytelling even with my kids about other people that I'd say that's gossip to my kid, but I would partake in it as an adult when my kids aren't around. Yeah, And there's, there's 
convictionally for me, something needs to change for me. I see hypocrisy in my heart. And like you said, Chelsea, I know the Lord has said so much about he, he does not like it yeah, and how it spreads. We can talk about leaven in a minute here, but I see it in my own heart as a dad. Mm-hmm. And that's just a little bit. I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg. Adam Griffin is a hypocrite when it comes to his family discipleship. I, you know, similar to what you were saying, Cassie, I feel like as a minister, there's a certain um, pressure when you uh, add to that, that like we write and speak about how to lead your family spiritually. And I feel like, oh gosh, what if one day my kids uh, don't follow the Lord? So I feel like I have to have an extra polished version around my kids because the expectation that we're going to be great parents, you know? Yeah. Anyway, and uh, maybe ironically, it maybe undermines what we're doing as well. Mm. Anything else on struggles? Anything else coming to mind for you guys? Because I could keep going. I've got a lot more struggles. Yeah, I could sit here and list stuff. I I really, I want to see like perfect submission out of my children and obedience. And then in my own life, I'm like, well, the speed limit's 40, but that's stupid. (laughs) This street is wide open. And also I'm a very efficient driver, right? (laughs) But then if... If they, if I find out that they like looked at a teacher sideways and I'm like, how dare you? And I'm like, unbelievable. <laughs> they deserve your respect, yeah. you know? And then, you know, I have a job where there are people in authority and there are things and I'm like, well, that's not an important rule. Um, yeah. And have my own version of that. But yeah, when I look at my children, I'm like, you better learn. You better learn to obey and submit. It's totally. good for you. It brings joy. This will bless you. But I don't talk to myself like that. That's good. Mm. Yeah, I think you're making me think of other things too, just spiritually, where I would tell our kids to pay attention so closely. And if they stop paying attention to a teacher or to a pastor or to somebody who's leading their kids' ministry, I'd be like, you shape up, look ahead. But I'd be so quick to grab my phone and pull it out if I'm in the back row of something. Yeah, I did that just, while John Piper was talking. And- yeah. At the gospel that, that's like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I should have been writing down whatever he was saying. And I said, I was like, hmm. you were checking your fantasy football team and just going, someone's oh. got to manage that team. <laughs> it doesn't manage itself. <laughs> it doesn't manage itself, people. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Let's talk about, okay. So if we've got, I think we've made it clear and the people in the room are probably a little disgusted with this, but we've made it clear. Like we struggle with hypocrisy. We can, empathize, we can sympathize with those other parents who do as well. What about, is there any place in your family, Cassie, where you'd say, I feel like we are giving a real clear picture of our true selves to our kids. And it's, it's just, with all its warts, there's nothing hypocritical about hiding some version of it. Or where do you feel like this is a strength for you, where the lack of hypocrisy is, is a strength for you? Well, I mean, I do think that my kids see my true self, unfortunately, uh, is probably what I would say. But I think and I hope that we've grown to a place of that transparency. It hasn't led to like, well, I'm allowed to do this or be this way because I'm somehow better than you or like because I'm an authority over over you. And so I would hope that where we do it well is in our transparency when we send, we're asking for their forgiveness. And we're also open now they're at the age where they're kind of calling us out on it. So, you know. That's not allowed. You don't let your kids call you out on stuff, do you? No, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, can, it can even just be like a question, like, but I thought you said we weren't supposed to do that or say that, or right. I thought mm. we are supposed to do this, you know, or the Bible says this about how we care for poor people yeah. or whatever it is. And so, like, if we would just tune our ears to hear their little voices, I mean, I do think that God has given them to us um, as little observers of our lives and almost like little mirrors. And they kind of walk around and they show us glimpses of ourselves, but then also as they're growing and being developed 
in the word and in the gospel that because their hearts in some ways are more pure than ours, they, God would use them to show us, oh, wow, I've got, you know, the log in my eye. Yeah. Well, we're getting to the scriptures, but, you know, and I'm pointing out the speck and whatever else. And so totally. I just think that they're, I, I think that we work hard in our family and um, even in our church. And I think in our churches as a whole, uh, to be a more authentic version of ourselves. And some of that be my, might be my own spirit of rebellion to what I grew up under, which was, you know, you wear your Sunday best and everyone has it together. And we don't talk about yeah. divorce. Like, but my parents got divorced. Well, we're not going to talk about divorce at church or whatever it is. It's like we were so afraid to like be authentic in the 80s and 90s. It felt like that. Yeah. It feels like the pendulum has swung a little bit. And some of that's thanks to our yeah. former pastor, Matt, and just saying, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's true. Chelsea, what comes to mind for you when you think about our household or you think about your own strengths? Doesn't it seem ironic to be like, where are you doing really good at not being a hypocrite? It, seems like, <laughs> it feels like a trap. Like whatever you say, that's like, well, then there, there, there it is. Um, I got you. Uh, you are so prideful. Um, I will say that, that by the grace of God, by his grace alone and his, his work on us, his favor, his um, fulfilling of his promise, to keep working on us and to sanctify us from one degree of glory to the next, I can testify that God is so good that he has made me not want things that I used to want. Mm. And he keeps doing that. Like when you talk about music, like that is so true. They Like growing up, I listened um, to just explicit rap music and just things that were just not from the Lord. And, and then there's a certain season where it's like, oh, this is nostalgic. And then you get to a place where you're like, I actually... I hate what is being said right here, yeah. you know, where your heart just changes. And that's from the Lord. That's not from anything that I can do to say, like, I'm just going to be better. I'm going to work harder. But the Lord actually changes my heart. And where there there's a temptation when, if our kids frustrate us, you know, to raise our voice or uh, to be unkind, like, the Lord keeps changing my heart to where I'm going. There are things I don't even want to do. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. And I know that that's from him because I know on my own, I would seek nothing but myself. Um, and so that's from the Lord. So there are some things that I'm like, I don't want to do that. When it comes to like spiritual disciplines in our home, like I don't want, I don't want to go a day without praying. I don't want to go a day without time in the word. Um, our family, we do our devotionals at night before bed. I don't want us as a family or individually to go to bed without having thanked God. I don't want us um, to skip a day in the word. I don't want those things. I want his word on our heart. I want us to be centered on him. I want us to worship. And so those parts, I'm so grateful that it doesn't feel like this like strenuous, like we have to do this because, because we tell people we do it or something like that. But like, no, I'm like, the Lord shows up here. The Lord meets us here. He's good to us here um, that I don't have to, I don't have to pretend something that's not true because God is making it true. I love what you're saying too, that like the, the longer we follow the Lord, I think this is true. You become more and more like Jesus Christ, right? By one degree to another. And so you should grow in an aversion to the things that are not of the Lord. Yeah. And I hope that's true too. Like the longer we parent, my, my brother gave me some of my best parenting advice, which was when your kid is born, they have very simple needs. And as their needs grow more complex, you grow in experience. And so you should be growing as a, a more and more gifted parent, capable parent, and they're growing slowly and so are you. And I think about that all the time too, also in my own sanctification. Yeah. The longer I follow Jesus, the more I not only want to delight in what he calls good, I want to have an aversion towards what he calls evil. Yeah. I think in our own house too, some of the maybe more comical versions of common parental hypocrisy 
are that we so often as parents, I'm talking about we generally, not we the Griffins, we parents will yell at kids to be quiet. And you just think about how hypocritical that is. Like I will raise my voice to tell them to stop yelling, right? Or we will, we will tell them to be patient because they are bothering us so much. You're like, we're being impatient with them and demanding from them patience. And so we are displaying to them exactly what we're telling them to stop doing. Yeah. And we do that in all kinds of ways all the time. And I think if there's uh, any strength in our house, it's not uh, constant, it's not pervasive, but I would say there are a lot of times where I'm able to s- demonstrate patience when I'm asking for patience. Yeah. Demonstrate calm when I'm asking for calm. And while that's not all the time, I do think that is something from the Lord that I can say, thank you, God, that I'm not constantly losing my patience while asking for it, yelling while asking for quiet. I think you've grown a lot in all of that since we had kids. Yeah, thank you. I think I have too. Yeah. But are you saying I used to have major problems? This is a public venue. These are used to yell at <laughs> Just you to the be problems quiet. you've already shared. <laughs> <laughs> what we've been willing to admit. I brought your journal and I was going to read aloud. <laughs> and now a sad handwritten book by Adam Griffin. <laughs> His little diary. Uh, Cassie, what were you saying? I missed it because Chelsea was uh, really scaring me over here. Oh, with the no, I wasn't saying okay. anything. No. Okay. I was, when, I was thinking through this earlier and thinking about all the young adults we sit with to interview for children's ministry to serve as volunteers. And when you ask them about their testimony in their childhood, how many of them say, well, my parents, I grew up in a Christian home, kind of like my parents say they're Christian, but, and it's just like, oof, like that's such a bummer. (laughs) Whether it's like, but they never took us to church or, but I never saw them read their Bible or they never talked about God. They only took us to church, but I never saw what their faith looked like. And so I think that there's obviously our kids, our kids get older and they're going to start living their life and forming their thoughts and kind of cross that bridge from our faith that we're leading them into their own. And I hope that when they look back across it's not their faith isn't so different from ours that they would put us in the category of like, well, they would say. That would hurt so bad. It would hurt so bad. But you're right. And I do hear it from a lot of people that will say, my parents went to church, claimed to be Christian, but they smiled. Like as soon as they got out of the car, they were very smiley at church. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they're back in the car, it was a completely different picture. Yeah. And there is a version of hypocrisy in that kind of scary, abusive situation. And maybe it's not always abusive, but it is scary to think that, uh, and while I would say the Griffin house, I hope is free of that, that there's a lot of families that call themselves Christians that are not following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly the kind of hypocrisy that Jesus is calling out. Yeah. To say you cannot call yourself a Christian, which means follower of Jesus, and then not follow Jesus. Yeah. That just doesn't make any sense. And yet where we live in the city of Dallas and certainly across America, it is extremely common to claim to be a Christian mm-hmm. and have that only mean that you hope to go to heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. and that you believe Jesus was a real person who died on the cross and rose again. You don't actually say, it impacts my life or I follow him. And kids can smell hypocrisy a mile away. Oh, a kid yeah. growing up in a house like that is not being discipled into yeah. this kind of beautiful faithfulness. They're being discipled into a version of hypocrisy that's really sad. Well, they yeah. learn to expect it. Yeah. Like you're kind of forming, like then they're, they learn to expect that or to be that in a way themselves. Or to assume that's what Christians are. Christians yeah. don't actually believe this. Yeah. I've had several people meet me 
like either I've interacted with or at church or whatever, and they'll be like, there's a lot of people at Eastside at our church who actually follow Jesus, don't just mm. say they do. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for that. I want really legitimate believers to yeah. be in a congregation. And if not, then there should be a sifting like Jesus did with his, when he turns to the, the, all these followers and says to them, hey, if you're not willing to do this, eat my flesh, drink my blood, if you don't hate your mother, hate your father, he says some really harsh, hyperbolic things. And he says, then don't follow me. Yeah. And you remember like all these people leave and he turns to the disciples and says, don't you want to leave too? And they say, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. And there's this beautiful, like, there, there's a group of people that are like, we're with Jesus no matter what. That's what I want. Yeah. I want to be that as a dad. And I want to be that as a church. Hey, listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Let's, let's shift gears then to scripture. Let's talk about this. What does Jesus say about hypocrisy or what narratives come to mind for you when you think about that? Chelsea? I think I'll, I'll read from the Bible. This is my pocket Bible. That's what I call it. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it. Okay, so there's a lot of passages where Jesus is, is really using the word hypocrites and talking specifically about the Pharisees or addressing this, but there's a verse that um, has stuck out to me since the day that I first came across it. It's from John chapter 12. And in this one, he's not necessarily talking to the Pharisees or whatever, but in John chapter 12, verse 43, he says, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Mm. And so I think ultimately, when I think about hypocrisy and what the scriptures are showing us, it's that um, that Romans 1 concept of we've exchanged the glory of the creator 
for the glory of a created thing, that our heart has treasured something. And in hypocrisy, it is usually the appearance of whatever we want the appearance of. Godliness, virtuousness, virtuosity, is that the right word? Uh, We want to form people's image of us and then for that image to be exalted. And he says, you've exchanged that. You love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And I think another thing that's really sweet about that verse is that he's saying there, there is a glory that comes from God. And we think about Jesus in his earthly life that he actually does commend people. And I think sometimes we can get beaten down by a version of the gospel that says like, we are, we're so worthless, we're right. so filthy in our sin. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about your father rewarding you, that he sees what's done in secret. When nobody else sees, that God treasures your time alone in prayer. And God treasures the, your, your disciplines and your offerings that um, when you're fasting or when you give to someone in need, that God really loves that. He receives that offering and he says, your father is going to reward you. And I think sometimes we overlook that. And instead, we think like there's no reward with God. Like he loves us all the same. There's no reward. But really there, there is a, condom, uh, a commendation that comes from Christ where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And we've lost the craving for that, to hear that from him, but we desire it so deeply to hear it from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, yeah. that's a good example. That's so much better than what I came up with. How about you, Cassie? <laughs> Do you have anything from scripture? Uh, I really like the pictures that Jesus gives uh, the disciples and even talking to the Pharisees when he talks about the whitewashed tomb yeah. and the cup that is clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. Like what good is that? And so in terms of teaching children, they, Jesus gives us really great pictures for those things. And I know we've got people in here who are in children's ministry because um, I see them and I know them and mm-hmm. I love them. And <clears throat> they're probably familiar with what we call the hypocrisy cake, uh, which we make on um, the Sundays that we talk about this lesson. And uh, we make a cake and it's beautiful. It's and a legitimate it's, cake? like a It's real a cake. legitimate cake. So okay. we make a couple because we have a couple services. So a couple cakes are made and uh, they're decorated to look like cake and they're beautiful. And then you cut into them and Whoever's baked them, we recommend they include, you know, like Vienna sausages, black beans, Ugh. dust from their floor, hair from their hairbrush. My um, hairbrush is so, so hideous. It's really sad, though, because you tell a kid they're going to get a piece of cake, and they come up, and you cut into it, and then it's so gross on oh. the inside. This is like an unbelievably mean trick. <laughs> well, we give them cake Who wants after. Cake? Yeah. Oh, you give, the, you give them cake yeah, later? Yeah, yeah, there's cupcakes after. This is gospel cake? What do you call that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just good cake. cheesecake. This is resurrection yeah. cake right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Redeemed. But there's just these great pictures that he's given us. And I don't know, like, we, got the, we were fortunate enough to visit the Taj Mahal. Uh, which was actually, we like print a picture of this to show the kids, but Eric and I got to go years ago and it's this, it's incredible. It's so beautiful. It's majestic. It's unbelievable. You're there in person and it's a tomb. I mean, there's just death and decay on the inside. And it's Mm. like, to what, to what end, to what point, you know, are we building up these kind of like false, false facades for everyone to see and marvel at when uh, on the inside is death and decay. So yeah. That'll preach. And I'm also never trusting any dessert you bring. So I'll stop bringing desserts. You could have kept going with I'm that list, kidding. but dust and hair. That is. That's, that's what I can't I, stop really, thinking about. It's cutting into cake and seeing like a lot of hair. You know why? Ugh. It's because a fourth grade boy would still eat it if it was just Vienna sausages and black beans. You no, know? they would it's not. It's like Joey on Friends. They're like, it's all good. It's all the ingredients are good. But once oh, you put man. something not edible in it, that's where it. Okay. So to try to <laughs> redeem this conversation a little bit. <laughs> Maybe change. Uh, okay. 
the story that comes to mind for me, I don't know, I, I didn't think of it at first, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, this is, this is profound because it connects with the way I operate as a dad in my struggles, was David, when Nathan the prophet calls him out mm-hmm. on sin that he thought he got away with. You remember when uh, David uh, sleeps with Bathsheba, she becomes pregnant, he gets her husband killed, and then there's this moment where David kind of feels like, okay, that got mm-hmm. managed, Uriah's dead, and the end of, uh, I think it's 2 Samuel 11, says like, in, you know, the Lord did not approve of what David did. Yeah. But David obviously did. David was like, okay, manage that. And then Nathan the prophet comes and he tells him a story and he says, what should we do with a guy who does the, like takes somebody's sheep, this guy who only has one sheep, he takes that sheep and he steals it and he kills it. And David is incensed. He's angry and he says, that guy needs to be put to death. And Nathan says the classic line, he says, you are mm-hmm. that man. You are the man. And I think about that sense, that feeling of like, if somebody told me the story and I wasn't in it, would I be upset about what's happening? If you said, hey guys, what would you do if there was a dad who was treating his kids like this, telling them they had to do this, but then himself, he was not doing it. Acting around his kids a certain way, but when his kids weren't around, he was acting totally different. He was acting like what he would say is wrong is actually okay for him because he's a full-grown man. And so therefore, it's okay to watch this, listen to this, talk this way. What would you say to a dad like that? And I feel like all of us would say, oh, I'd tell that dad, that is dead wrong. Jesus has so much to say about hypocrisy. And then any one of you or my wife could look at me and say, Adam, that's you. You are that man. And in that story, you see David just crumble and be so repentant, which I'm grateful for. And I hope that would likewise be my response in a similar call out. Yeah. And say, Lord, I am so sorry. That is true. I excuse the sin because it was mine. But if I saw it in somebody else, it would disgust me. And Lord, Psalm 51 is this beautiful psalm of repentance saying, restore to me the joy of my salvation, but also forgive me these transgressions. I'm going to need you to create a whole new heart in me with a clean spirit. And that's what I need. Psalm 51 is such like water mm-hmm. to my thirsty soul when I think about my sin as a dad. I love what you're saying too, Chelsea. I'm not saying like now I know I should be ashamed and I'm filthy and I'm nothing but dirty rags. No, I, I want the commendation of the Lord and I know there is no condemnation in Christ. That's right. But also we do see Christ over and over again calling out hypocrisy because it is so poisonous to the soul to pretend that everything is okay when it's not. Yeah. It's so poisonous to your parenting. Your kids can sniff out hypocrisy to pretend to your kids everything's all right when it's not. Right. So like we said a million times, to be more honest with my children in repentance and say, dad needs to apologize. I told you to do something. You should do that. Just like Jesus would say, do what the Pharisees are saying to do. Just don't do what they actually do. Do what they're saying you should do. And that's a conversation I probably need to have with our kids more often. I'm telling you to do things you should do. And I'm sorry for any time you're seeing me do the opposite. I'm telling you to be patient. I'm being impatient. I'm telling you to be quiet. I'm being loud. I excuse my own sin because I'm the dad. Anyway, so David, Nathan, that's the story that comes to mind for me. So landing the plane here on this episode, if you were going to advise a mom or dad who's coming to you and saying, hey, I'm really struggling with hypocrisy. I don't know what to do here. I feel like I'm putting on a facade around my kids and I'm not being my, my authentic self. I'm not being genuine with them or I'm hiding something and I'm not confessing and I'm not repenting with my spouse. What advice would you give them? Cassie, how would you, uh, how would you advise a person struggling with hypocrisy? Well, I would 
say that your kids probably know. So like, yeah. I mean, I think they probably, you probably think you're doing a better job hiding something than you, you are. And, um, yeah. so if there's inconsistency in your life, then I think you, you know, first you address that with God and you ask help. Like you said, when David asked for a new heart, change my heart and think about how good God is to even show you that. And as you were talking, it reminded me our daughter last year, we had a daughter that was caught in sin at school and uh, the principal was just so kind to be like, it was God's kindness to you. It's his grace to show us when we're in the wrong. That's true. Because the alternative was for her to go home and go to bed and have shame and guilt or to think she got away with it and she could do it again. Yeah. And so it's God's grace for him to show us that we're in the wrong or that, you know, where there's hypocrisy. And, and I think that's where, you know, Jesus is so great to invite others into like to follow me repent you know because it once he shows us we have the opportunity to say okay not not anymore i'm going to turn away from that i don't want to be that way right. cuz we're all hypocrites and that's kind of yeah. like you know we're all going to do what we don't want to do or what we know we shouldn't do it's how we respond when that's called out it's how we respond when our we do that in front of our kids and they say something or when a friend approaches us and says hey this is inconsistent with what you say or how you live is not what you, you know, and thanks, I'm sure I'm going to get 10 phone calls tomorrow from my friends in the room. No, um, <laughs> calling, but calling it's an out. opportunity to repent and to, and, and it's God's kindness so that we don't have to go bed feeling like we're a hypocrite and ashamed of our life or like we can just keep getting away with it. So. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. It's God's grace for you to get caught. What do you think, Chelsea? What comes yeah. to mind for you? I think if we feel that con- conviction and a sense of contrition over it, that we can be encouraged that, Jesus loves a contrite heart. Yeah, that's right. He loves that. I feel like Jesus is so harsh with hypocrites in the scripture because their heart is hardened. It's not contrite, right? We can think of so many other people he encounters, tax, tax collectors, people who have stolen, people who have committed adultery, and he's so tender, right? You don't see him. He's yelling at them or anything like that. He's so tender with them because it seems like he knows their heart and they already have some sense of weight of they know that this is not right. And so just the sense that I'm not being completely real, I'm not being completely true, and I want to come forward with that, I just want to encourage all of us, God loves that. He receives that. He does not turn us away. He does not reject us for that. God loves that and receives each of us in it. And he's not asking, he doesn't condemn hypocrisy because uh, it's good for us and he wants to take something good for us. He condemns it because you could be so, we could all be so much freer. Because he's not, like I said, you know, we're we're getting sanctified from one degree of glory to the next. So to say I'm not going to be a hypocrite isn't to say I won't make any more mistakes. It's to say I will stop pretending. And Jesus is trying to set us free from what a Mm. heavy burden it would be to continue to pretend or to hide. That's what, that's what has to go. And he's going to continue to sanctify us. Amen. You know, I've, I've seen some, uh, some unfortunate messages about Jesus, about God, that have said the reason you shouldn't be, uh, the reason you shouldn't sin is because God is always watching. Mm. And it presents God as a threat. 
But there is something sweet about the fact that God is always with you that is important when we talk about hypocrisy. I was thinking about what you said earlier, Chelsea, about how you would invite a friend over so you would act different. And there's something sweet about the fact that what God calls us to do is walk by the Spirit, walk next to the Spirit. The Spirit goes with you. That he says things like, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. And that's not just so like, I'm always watching you and he's not threatening, saying you better behave, I'm on your case. It's rather, what a gift to say, if I walk where the Spirit is walking, I would never walk into something that I need to regret yeah. and I need to repent of. So when I wander from that, I'll say, I'm sorry. But what would be great is for us to say, where do you think the Lord would lead you here? And a lot of us, I think, have a sensitive enough conscience and are close enough to the Spirit to be able to discern what's wrong. And what we need to do is to stop excusing it yeah. and saying it's all right. Stop pretending that it's okay. Or that if it's just me doing it, then it must be victimless as if sin doesn't damage me. Right. You know? Come on. That's good. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. We love you, listeners. And we will be back with our last episode of the season, a Q&A with our live audience next week.